Hello, everybody. It is Corey Corrier, and I'm super excited to be back with the latest edition of the Conversations with Passion radio show, and really excited as well to have a brand new guest with me today. Um, so, Scott, I'm really excited to have you here today and excited to bring you on board. And I guess my very first question is, I'd love to get started by learning a little more about you for our listeners who may be discovering you for the very first time. So hoping you can tell us a little bit about your backstory and journey before we sort of jump into the meat of things. Sure. Yeah. No, I appreciate you having me, Corey. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. And uh, I always love to jump on and, uh, and really just kind of, I guess, talk about business, but also lifestyle creation. Uh, because uh, myself, personally, I'm 45 years old. I've uh, been married for 23 years now. I've got three kids ranging from 9, 19, and 22. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I started out of high school, no college degree, started working for my father's construction company. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm a hands-on guy. I'm, I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty, uh, literally. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of learned a trade um, right out of high school. I worked for my father's company, helping him build that company to uh, just about a $2 million a year business back, uh, oh gosh, in the 90s, um, which is pretty, pretty good back then. Um, and uh, learned a lot about business partnerships, what I did like, what I didn't like, um, working with certain people, uh, running crews, all of that stuff. So I learned a ton. I also learned very quickly, I'd say quickly in the, in probably the first five years, especially when I first had my first child, that I didn't want to work 60 plus hours a week. Um, and I didn't want to, um, I guess, work for someone. It wasn't just my father. We had a partner. So I was kind of working for the company, not just myself. Um, but I, I also felt as though I was kind of limited to where I could go with it. I always wanted to kind of take over the company. But then as I got moving through the company and kind of learning more about it, I, I seen that that wasn't going to be my, my long, uh, you know, my, my lifelong thing. So my wife and I got talking and we just to kind of make this shorter than it could go for forever here. But we, we uh, basically decided to start our own photography business after we had had our first child we seen how important pictures were we went to a few studios we were unhappy with their results and my wife had had a you know a passion for photography no formal training or anything but just kind of had this passion for it so I said let's do it so we did a part-time gig about 18 months after that we actually uh, went full-time I left my construction company with my father for after about nine years and uh, started a photography business and built that into a six-figure business in about five years um, supported our family, did exactly what we wanted to do. We created a lifestyle business that supported, uh, you know, supported us and also allowed us the freedom to make our own schedule. But then I soon found out too that, uh, you know, I was also tied to meeting with people and doing the work uh, in order to get paid. So I wanted to start looking for uh, ways to, to actually supplement our income without having to do more client work. So that's where I started hearing about online selling and online business. And then I started to teach people um, more about how to get started in photography, but then also how to start a business and also editing and Photoshop and things that I've kind of self-taught myself. And we built that into a six-figure business, another digital uh, products business um, on, online and learned a ton through that process. And uh, again, being an entrepreneur, constantly going through and, uh, and you know, wanting to find other ways to, to monetize and, and really to uh, diversify uh, the income streams. And then um, I started looking into uh, selling on eBay and did pretty well there. Did about six figures in about a year and a half on eBay. And I started seeing that physical products was another thing that I probably should pay attention to. Started looking at Amazon. And then that's where my aha moment kind of came where I was kind of like, this is like another great revenue stream that I could tap into. 
Um, I'll give it a shot. I did. And in about six months, we generated just over a hundred thousand, um, in six months. And, um, it was just really, that was a validation point for me. Uh, we didn't, that, that's not like, that's not profit. We profited about 30%. Um, but it was a, a wake up call for me to say like, this is another revenue stream that I should probably pay attention to. And that's what kind of turned me on to Amazon. And that's kind of what I've been kind of known for now in the online space. I have a podcast that I really kind of document the story and kind of like, you know, how to get started on Amazon. So that's it in a nutshell. I know that went a little bit long, Corey, I apologize, but there's a lot of stuff there leading up to where I am today. No worries at all. And, and the truth is, Scott, we, we uh, on the show, we like to get to know the person behind the brands, if you will, or the yeah. offline uh, presences. And, uh, and so, you know, part of that is your backstory and your journey. So that, that works for me. And also, not only that, it, it generated a few different directions and questions that I wanted to ask as well. Sure. Uh, so I, I guess the first, I mean, I'm starting, I guess we'll say head first into the, the Amazon side of things. Yeah. And it intrigues me because, so every time, it's funny, every time I've uh, seen your name in association with Amazon and, uh, and you know, private label products, I don't know why, but it popped in my head. I spent like about three months, it was very short, on eBay myself yeah. uh, selling. And, uh, and I had a, an interesting experience. I'll, I'll say it that way. It was it was interesting all the way through. So, uh, for instance, one of the things I didn't know how to um, factor in, especially being based in Canada, was the shipping costs. We go yeah. into the, the post office and they give us a certain shipping cost, and then uh, we base it on that, and then we go back in to mail it once it was sold, and they say, "Oh no, the other person did it wrong," and you know, all of a sudden you'd lose any <laughs> profit you made. Uh, we actually, I got, I got, I don't know what the word for it is, but they uh, actually accused me of, I think they call it uh, bid chilling or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, basically, uh, somebody bid on one of my products and it was somebody whose place I was at and I, I would going to use their email. Uh, and because they associated that computer with me because I used the email once and that person bid on a product, they said it was shit billing, which I think is like trying to drive up your price. Mm. Um, so it was, it was an interesting experience over three months. I will say after all of the things I went through, uh, I still turned a, a little bit of a profit. And so for me, I really examined the idea of going full-time into eBay. And this would be going back probably five plus years. And, and yeah. not as an actual um, a revenue source and an opportunity for me. But challenge I had was I was juggling a lot of different balls anyway, and, and I just didn't have time. I finally came to the conclusion, uh, but it intrigued me and I learned so much about it. And so I guess my question out of all that is, you know, how would you compare Amazon to eBay for a person that's maybe starting today, you know, where again, I was starting five years ago, it was a lot different, but starting today, um, what would be the difference if you're selling physical products on either or? Because obviously people can sell um, private label products on eBay as well. Sure. So what, what would be the difference? Like what, I guess, pulled you into Amazon more so? Uh, well, it was basically FBA fulfilled by Amazon. Uh, that's a big one. Because um, when I first started hearing about Amazon as well, uh, to me, it wasn't that attractive because I was thinking that you had to ship all the products yourself. Mm -hmm. So because of that, that kind of discouraged me because here I was someone that uh, had a taste of online business, meaning I could create digital products or digital trainings um, or Photoshop tutorials or Photoshop you know, uh, actions. Like I had all of that stuff going and I'm like, this stuff is so much easier. I can create a product once and sell it forever and I don't have to worry about fulfilling it necessarily, just you know, getting it on a server. Um, 
but I knew that there's another, there's another place in the physical product space that is out there. It's just, I didn't want to deal with it. Cause like you said, I, you know, you had a bunch of stuff going on. I have a bunch of stuff going on. I don't want to have to be, you know, shipping stuff up, you know, one at a time. I mean, imagine, imagine selling 25 of something every single day, like and boxing it up and then shipping it. Like it's a lot of work. So what attracted me to Amazon was their fulfillment by Amazon. And that's basically where you can ship in a hundred units of your product. And if you sell one, they'll ship it for you. Like, so that was a game changer for me. And that was where I said, this is the closest thing to a digital product in the physical products world, because they're going to do that. Now, there are companies that do fulfillment for you. So I could have did something similar with eBay. I still could, um, where I go out and I find a company that will fulfill the items for me. I could ship them to a warehouse. And then when I get an order, I would just have a software uh, kind of be integrated with their software. And then it would let them know that I got four orders and where to ship them. And it would take care of it for you. You can do that. It's just easier on Amazon because everything's kind of within Amazon. They got all of the tools, all of the, all of the traffic, all of, all of your stuff is there. You don't have to worry about going to different third-party tools and stuff. So that's what attracted me to it. And that's what really got me my first taste uh, in it. Now, eBay is definitely a great opportunity. I always tell people, like, if you're just starting, like, you're crazy not to tap into eBay because it's super simple. It's actually a little bit easier to get started on eBay than it is on Amazon as far as, like, setting up your account and having something listed. Like, you could literally set up an account on eBay right now and an hour from now have a product up and, and kind of running. Um, so really, really easy. And it's funny, we have a, I have a, a, a you know, it's kind of like a little course that I do for people that are just getting started. It's called the 1K Fast Track. And it's basically where I want to try to get people started. And the place that we always start in the first seven days, we have a little challenge that we give them is starting on eBay. It's where you take your own possessions that you have right now that you're just going to put out at a garage sale or something or donate to a, a Goodwill or something and just list them on eBay. And uh, we have people that have done $700, $1,000 in seven days from stuff that they already have. So to me, eBay is still a great opportunity. It's just not as sexy as, as Amazon because Amazon does the fulfillment by Amazon. Got it. And so I guess then the, here's the, I guess the follow-up to that. When you're talking physical products, Scott, what, so I'm just thinking, okay, let's say you have a product for whatever the reason is, it catches on like wildfire. Let's mm -hmm. take on a product and all of a sudden a celebrity starts wearing it the next day. Yeah. Whatever the, whatever the reason is that it catches on like wildfire, what would happen there in terms of fulfillment? Like, let's say, so I'm thinking, of course, let's, you mentioned like if you send in a hundred product, hundred products, let's say physical yeah. products, what happens yeah. in the world that let's say you sell, start selling like crazy but you don't have time to get the stuff to Amazon, would then would you fulfill it yourself or how does that work? No, actually this just happened to me yesterday, to be honest with you. We, had, uh, we have a, a new product and a new brand. Um, we ran out of stock twice already because it got, it got shared on a very popular Facebook group. And, um, and basically uh, we sold over 123 units yesterday and we only had a, a 123 units in stock. Um, so because of that, you know, we couldn't get inventory in there fast enough. I have some at my warehouse. So all we did is we just shipped in inventory yesterday and now it's in route. Once it's in route, that product technically can be pre-sold now. So even though I don't have it physically there, as long as I have an order that is being submitted to Amazon and then once it gets scanned, it's now in the system that it's in route to go to one of their fulfillment centers. Now I can start taking pre-orders again. So I was really, I'm really only out for maybe, I don't know, if, if I have inventory and I can ship it in, I might only be out for six hours, 10 hours, you know, maybe a day. 
um, and, and I can get it back in there. The problem is if you don't have the inventory yourself, let's say it's in China and you're having it shipped over and it's going to take three weeks, you're going to be out of inventory for three weeks and you are going to lose momentum. We do have ways to, to kind of boost sales again and get things rolling again. But yeah, that is, a, that is an issue, but it's a good issue to have, right? Because we have more product selling than we can, we can handle. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, and you, where my head was at was thinking of the idea, of course, that like any business, you're investing in product the same way you would carry it in a, in a bricks and mortar store if you had to carry sure. in inventory. Because um, some people might go into this thinking, okay, well, I'd rather, like in their mind, thinking I want to sell this stuff before I buy any of it. Right. And obviously that might not be uh, <laughs> the best approach to take, especially if something's going to catch on. Yeah. Well, I, I always do stuff on like test runs. So I always do like between 250 to 500 units. And generally they're going to cost us anywhere between and landed. I'm talking landed in FBA. It's going to, it's going to probably run us between 350 and $6 a unit. So I, you know, I'll gamble with, you know, I don't know, you know, three, $4,000. I think my first order back three years ago was like for $5,000 in inventory. Now I would tell people like, listen, like that may seem like uh, you know, a lot for you. And, you know, I didn't have to start with 5,000. I could have started with, you know, $1,500 and just got some inventory in there. But anyone that's looking to get started, if they're nervous about like putting out some money and, and being worried, it doesn't come back to them. You probably want to start with eBay or something and, and just get your feet wet there or do something what we call retail arbitrage, which is basically where you're going in a store, you're finding closeouts or clearances, maybe 60% off, 70% off, you buy that, that inventory and then you relist it on Amazon and you sell it for, for retail price. That's another way to kind of get started and you don't feel as though you have to go ahead and buy a thousand units or 500 units. So how do you choose the, the inventory, Scott? Like how do you, you mentioned, you know, you test run and try different products. Yeah. So how do you, how do you actually ultimately, I guess, first of all, decide to go and look at a certain product or say, this might be an option? And then secondly, how do you ultimately say, okay, this is an option? Okay. Well, again, we only have a short period of time. <laughs> uh, there's a lot we can dig into that one, but you're right. Here's the bottom line. Uh, Amazon is allowing us to see products that are selling well or products that are selling at all. I don't really go after products that are selling a hundred units a day because the competition is so high. I'm more than happy to find a product that can sell 10 units a day. So if I can find a product that can sell 10 units a day, I can make $10 profit per unit. That's $100 profit per day. Like that's my goal whenever I'm launching a product. Now, that being said, I may, I, and we have a product right now that we launched with that same mindset. It's doing 30, 40 units a day. Uh, so does, you know, do you have to go out there and do you have to, you know, sell 100 units? No. Amazon allows us to see this. They have something called, they call a BSR, a bestseller rank, and they give each listing a rank. So there's ways that we can go ahead and see that these products are selling well. Now, I'm not saying you want to go ahead and then take that same product and then, you know, basically rip it off and just put your logo on it. I'm not a fan of that, but I am a fan of letting Amazon tell us what products are selling well or what market is buying and then just make make our product better. And the way that we can make our product better is we can read the reviews, which are public. So now we can hear what people are complaining about and then I can fix the problem. I mean, I'll give you first example. Now we just had a pool put in, we're looking for one of those out, outdoor fire pits. That's a gas fire pit. And I was looking on Lowe's, not even on Amazon. And they had like, I don't know, it was like 70 reviews or something. And some people were saying that it, it, it ignites after, you know, or at, at after like a month, they stop, it, you can't ignite it anymore with the automatic igniter. You got to use a, a lighter or whatever. So my first thing would be, 
I got to fix that problem and then I'll create a similar product, right? So it, to me, it's never been easier to number one, see what's already selling, not guess, and then make the product better by listening to what people are complaining about. So that's kind of like the, the secret formula to, to launching a product and then doing a test with that product, not necessarily saying that it's going to be the winner. It may not be. But if you buy it right, and the way that I always look at it, if I buy it right, meaning if I can, I don't, I don't buy or I don't launch a product if I can't, you know, make at least 30 to 50% margin on it. So I'm going to look at it and say, okay, I bought it for five. I need to sell it for 20 or I need to sell it for 25. Like, and if I can do that, then I know that even after Amazon fees and stuff, if I, I can liquidate that product for 10 bucks all day long. So there's not really a huge amount of risk as long as the product is moving. But if you're going to just launch a product because you think it's a great idea, that's to me, that's setting yourself up for possible failure because you're just guessing. I'm not guessing here. I'm looking at products that are selling. I'm looking at how to make it better, making it better. And then also with my background in marketing, I can actually, you know, take that and, and kind of tie that into what I'm doing now. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess then my, my, my secondary thought as, as I'm you know, thinking about going through in my mind, um, what you're making happen yeah. and, and the approach you're taking. So I guess, Scott, what I would be curious about is I know you mentioned that you had set up another online business on the photography side mm -hmm. and it did quite well. And I guess my curiosity is what made you decide? Because of course, most people now seem to be going more towards information products, probably because there's very little cost. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, they're, they're, I mean, it doesn't mean they're going to get any sales, but there's very little cost involved and they can't usually test uh, the market as much as you can with a product sure. that's already selling. But what was the appeal for you to go with the physical product versus going maybe with an information product? Well, I was doing both really, to be honest with you, right? I, I you know, I did client work. Then I also did uh, physical products on eBay. Uh, literally, I sold products anywhere from, you know, 50 bucks all the way up to 900 bucks on eBay. Um, so I, I seen, I seen that, you know, people are buying physical products. So why only, why only focus on information when you can tap into physical products? And I think people, anybody right now that's selling information products, they're, they're really smart if they can go ahead and figure out a way to take a physical product and add to their digital product. So if you're selling an exercise program, then you should come up with an exercise kit that comes with your exercise program, right? Like why wouldn't you kind of hybrid the, you know, the two together? Um, so when I was doing it, you know, like I said, like we had sold, um, you know, to the photography market and we were selling like Photoshop stuff, right? So basically like I'm teaching Photoshop tutorials. Well, I could be an affiliate for, for uh, you know, for Photoshop. I can also be an affiliate for plugins or I can create my own plugins, right? And then I can also go ahead and, and maybe uh, my, my wife is going to come up with this kit for uh, newborn photography that they can have for these props and these, you know, backgrounds and, and physical products like that. So that's the other way. So I just think about it differently. Like why not um, when people need both, you know what I mean? So uh, you're, you're right. I mean, it's kind of like people fall into that trap where information seems easy to them or it seems low cost and it can scale, but you can scale it up. A physical products business too, especially now that you can use fulfillment by Amazon or even just your own fulfillment centers. And you can almost make it as though it's a digital product. Like right now, like literally yesterday I checked, I checked on my Amazon business that I'm, I'm actually working on a brand new one with my, my business partner. I checked it like once yesterday, just to look at the sales numbers, look at my pay-per-click and we did over $2,600 uh, yesterday, not profit. That was our revenue brought in. 
okay, on 120 units being sold, 123. So, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't do anything yesterday. All those were shipped, all of them were done. Like, I didn't touch it. Like, so that's the closest thing to a physical product or to a digital product. So that's why I do both. Like, why not, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I totally get that. And where, where my head was at, of course, is because I always think about that person listening who has their mindset on digital products and, and they're not sure why, why they would consider another option. Mm. And, and I totally get the idea of having both. And, and not only that, if you can have both, because, you know, some people, everybody's situation is different, of course. But at the same time, I guess when it comes to the the physical products type of thing, um, and it's just more curiosity in the world we're in today, uh, you know, Scott, something I was just talking to somebody about recently, you know, 20 years ago, the talk was, okay, well, um, our, all our, let's say, localized businesses, mom and pop shops are struggling to survive against the big box stores. And now the news we're hearing a lot is the big box stores are struggling to survive. Um, yeah. So do you think, and I mean, we can't, we don't have a crystal ball to look at the future, but sure. do you think that's another reason to be looking at the physical products online, um, you know, versus, because, you know, obviously some people probably still find it sexy, the idea of opening up a bricks and mortar store and saying, I own that. Um, but do you, do you think that's another reason why people should look at physical products online as an option in terms of where the market's heading? Yeah. I mean, let's face it. I mean, Amazon has kind of taken over the world. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they're, uh, they're, they're huge, right? I mean, they're just, they're just building up more momentum. So why, why run from that? Right. But this, on the same hand, there's still people that want to buy locally brick and mortar. Like there's still people that want that. So to me, I would, if I was going to, like, if I'm going to start from scratch today, I'm not going to probably open a brick and mortar. It's just, there's so much more overhead. There's so much more startup. I mean, literally like we can start a business like today and have it bringing in revenue as soon as we get the product launched. Like it can happen that fast. In the brick and mortar, you got a lot more things going into it. You got, you know, the location, the rent, the remodel. Um, then you got a grand opening and then you've got like advertising and you got to get the word out, like all that stuff. And it's, it takes a lot longer. But if you already currently have a brick and mortar, like I think you should be taking those products or some of your top selling products and then putting them on Amazon or putting them on eBay or putting them on Etsy or whatever your, your, uh, your product serves the best. Like why not bring that stuff online? Because that is where people are buying. I mean, I, I, I don't know the exact stat, but I mean, so many people now, I mean, a huge percentage of people are buying online and a lot of them are buying on Amazon. So to me, why not be there? And Who's to say that they won't become a customer there, but then find out about your brand and then come over and start buying from your brick and mortar site or your, your store. Um, so, and I, I think going back to your other question, I mean, for me, it's, you know, diversifying as well. Like why bank everything on one side of your business or, you know, and I look at it like a portfolio in a sense, like when you're doing a investment portfolio, you're not just buying one stock, you're buying like a bunch of one. So that way if one does good and one doesn't do good, you kind of helps each other. It's the same thing. Um, and I think it's, it's huge for people to understand that. Um, and, and just to kind of talk on that really quickly on the brick and mortar stuff, just a quick little story. Um, I've got one of my students that, that basically started from scratch, didn't have any idea what he was going to do. He was lost. Um, even went through our training, was still lost and then ended up, uh, ended up launching, doing really good. He's just about to hit a million dollars in revenue in about 18 months in revenue. Now, the other cool thing that's a byproduct of this, now he's got all this knowledge, 
And now he just partnered with a major brand that is not online. And now he's helping that brand and taking a percentage of sales on that, on that. So it's another way, again, so diversifying, once you learn this stuff, it's kind of like you have this asset that you can just tap into and plug other businesses into. So I just kind of wanted to throw that in there. No, I, I love that. And, and what I will add to Scott, I, I don't know why this always, not always, but often pops into my head. Um, but, you know, when you think about, like you say, uh, organizations realizing the importance of, of mixing it up. I mean, I watched, I'm watching one do it right now and I'm interested to see how it all plays out. But the infomercial fitness world uh, mm. has been very successful over the years. Uh, we've had actually three guests on our show that have crushed it in that sphere, one being uh, Tony Horton. So oh, nice. P90X dude. Oh yeah. Sean T. So the, the insanity yep. guy yep. and Colleen Johnson, Turbo Jam. Yep. And all, all three of those were with Beachbody. And so I bring that up is because I bought the, the products over the years. And, and one of the, you know, one of the rare times I'm not really a buy stuff from infomercial guy, but one of the rare times I can say I had bought and also got results, which is yep. what you want to be able to say. And P90X, uh, a lot of people got results from that program, but interesting Beachbody is an organization. I've thought about them and they were ahead of the game in the first place. Um, they had to compete against Guthy Ranker, who was huge in the, at the time. Mm -hmm. And now I, I say, Scott, you know, what is their business model going to look like in the future? Because obviously DVDs, I wouldn't say it's a thing of the past, but it's, it's moving toward that. And people now can grab stuff online that they would have normally paid a hundred and some dollars for to get shipped to their home. So interesting. I noticed what uh, Beachbody's doing. We use Apple TV and, um, and yeah, we have a couple different like Android box and stuff like that. And on the Apple TV, uh, now you can download apps from anybody rather than just the ones they give you with the, with the Apple TV. Sure. The beach bodies on there. And the new thing they're pushing right now is sign up for, and we just signed up for it, uh, a 1999 per month subscription. Yep. Access all of their products. So the P90X3 yep. and all that. And to me, that seems like a company that's forward thinking, realizing even if the DVD business is stabilized for them right now, and I don't know if that it is, they must realize that the writing's on the wall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the fact well, that they're taking that move, which by the way, I thought always thought you know, Blockbuster had such a big brand name before they all came crumbling down. Oh yeah. So why, you know, it's strange, but why wasn't somebody, whether it was internally in Blockbuster or somebody advising them saying, hey guys, you have a brand name. Why don't you become the next Netflix? You know, yeah. and have the stores, like you said about it, as a complement to the online. And then if the, the stores collapse, at least the digital side would still be there. But instead, they decide to go down digging. <laughs> so anyway, just, just a poop for thought as the comparison of the two different, two different approaches. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of want to uh, just mention that uh, I'm a huge Beachbody fan myself. I did Insanity, did P90X. Um, and, you know, again, like you said, you know, they've got a good, a good record on the street as far as they get results. And, I mean, let's let's face it here. I mean, what they teach is nothing revolutionary. It's basically sticking to a plan and eating right. Like, you know, but they've done it in a way that they make it attractive, they make it fun. So they've got a good following, but you're right. They've moved to a digital world. My wife has that on our fire stick, uh, HD, our, uh, you know, our little Amazon stick. And every morning, you know, she goes up and logs in and then basically gets everything downloaded. We have all the DVDs to those other programs. But now it's so easy, like you said, and for, you know, 20 bucks a month or whatever it is, you know, you're, you're basically able to tap into these resources, but they're also monetizing on a whole nother level when it comes to their supplements, right? They've got supplement lines, they've got equipment lines, right? They've got, uh, you know, they've got their forums where you can get into their, you know, their challenge groups and 
whatever, right? These support groups and you pay and then they have a coaching program. Like, so they, they know about diversifying as well because not everything is going to kind of like be the number one. Everything's going to feed into the program. But like you said, going into the digital side of things, that's why they're doing it. But do they still offer DVDs? Yes. Right now, currently they do because there is people that still, they're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to stream. I mean, actually one of the downfalls to that, I got to be honest, is and they'll probably take care of this by having a hard drive or something on your on your device so you can download the program but if your wi-fi is not working for whatever reason you can't get in right and that's been frustrating for my wife sometimes she's like you know what for whatever reason it's not connecting it's she spends 15 20 minutes trying to get the thing to work before you put a dvd in it works so that's something else that's a little challenge that again right now it's it's a little goofy but it will probably be a, a you know in the in the future where you can actually just download it kind of like the xbox and stuff like that for sure. And I think, you know, Netflix was running into that challenge and I think they're finally now, like I know they offer a way now that you can basically download yep. that, movie that you want to watch later or what have you. So I think that's, like you said, that because Netflix as big as they are is having the issue because other organizations are, I think we'll find that there'll be enough people working on solutions that it will come around. But right now we're in, as you said, sort of that, maybe that growth or, or uh, pain. Yeah. But either way, um, you're right. I think it's such a revolutionary way to looking at it. And yeah, 100%. I mean, they have the beach body trainers. They have, they have uh, and I mean, I haven't gotten into the supplement side, but I'm certainly connected into a lot of their beach body trainers. So they've definitely diversified. And at the same time, oh, yeah. um, the online side in terms of the, the product, I mean, another thing that it's worth noting for the products they made years ago, you know, like P90X, the original one or Turbo Gym, I mean, those are still popular among oh, some yeah. people. And the fact that they now can do it digitally, it's like they're actually, they're reselling something that otherwise, if they had to sell it through DVD, they wouldn't be able to resell again. Yeah. And they can, you know, again, to make it new again, they can say updated version with two new routines or something like that. You know I mean? They can do stuff like that. Um, you know, and, you know, I think like you said, it's just, they, they see that that's where it's moving. So the, what they've done now is they've kind of digitized, uh, you know, their programs. The other thing I think we've got to mention here, and this is a good example of like, again, like the fitness stuff is kind of like some, a lot of the stuff they're showing, like Sean T showing you how to do burpees. Like, it's like, okay, like those aren't new, but it's, you know, he's, he's the guy. Now people are fans of him. So what they've done is they've really kind of diversified their people as well. You know, Shailene, they got, you know, Tony, they've got, you know, Sean T, they, they've got all these different people and even new people now that I haven't even heard of. And they bring, why do they bring those new people in? It's fresh, it's new, right? And people that are diehard fans are going to, and they just keep consuming and keep buying. So it's, again, another lesson for anyone out there that's, you know, thinking about, you know, like creating their own brand, diversifying and actually bringing, uh, I guess, other people into your business when it's the right time. If that's what you're doing is having people come into your business because of the, of the person, of the, of the talent, um, they're doing that, you know, phenomenally. Well, and just to, just to close that part off before we start to wind down, uh, Scott, you know, interesting, you know, I mentioned Guthy Ranker because when I was growing up as a kid, I mean, I didn't know a whole lot about the company, but I heard the name all the time in the infomercial world. Yeah. And they were the kind of the big guys, the go-to guys. They were known as sort of that big corporate uh, side of it. And you never hear their name now. And they didn't diversify because I never heard their name other than in association with infomercial products, but mm -hmm. they didn't diversify. And, and I think it's safe to say Beachbody is crushing it in comparison. And oh, yeah. An example of somebody who just was stuck like I said, almost digging, digging the hole and they wouldn't switch to another hole. They just kept saying, I'm going to just keep digging further. Mm. Well, and, and kind of just, uh, we can close that out, but just, uh, you just kind of made me think of something going back all the way to my construction days with my 
father's company who had a partner. And in that, in that business, we were, I think we were not growing to our potential because of the partner. The partner wanted to think old school and didn't want to think outside the box. Didn't want to think that, you know, we need to create, I mean, literally is going back there in the window business. Like you would think to yourself, like, how do you upsell in the window business? You upsell window grids, you upsell low E argon gas, you low, you know, you do, uh, you know, different wood textures, you do, like all of this stuff. He didn't want to do that. Like he just wanted to go in and sell one window at a certain price, double his money and you're out of there. But as my father and I were seeing, like, we're like, we got to create these upsells and these options for people because that will add more revenue, but it'll also add more uh, diversifying of like different components to our business. And, um, and I believe, and that's, we, I got frustrated. My father got frustrated because of that partner would not allow us to grow. And that's what I mean. Like as you're in business, like right now we're talking five years from now, we'll probably be talking differently about how we pivoted or how we moved because the market was moving in that direction. So I think it's just, it's worth noting. For sure. And you know, it, it, I don't know why Scott, but it reminds me of the sort of the Gary Vaynerchuk uh, approach that he took with his father's wine business. Oh yeah. And his family was saying, that's foolish. That's never going to work. And long yep. story short, I think the numbers, he took it from a $1 million a year company to a $50 million a year company or something. Yeah. Like that. Something crazy. Yeah. Two or three years. Um, so Scott, as we wind down and, and I'll call this a to be continued because I know we barely scratched the surface. As you said, just one question, you know, in terms of how do you select products we could spend an hour on. Oh yeah. Uh, so like I said, with your permission, I'll call it a to be continued. Sure. But until that time, here's my three questions that I like to ask uh, when possible, each guest we bring onto the show. Uh, I used to call them the rapid fire questions. And I, I think that was just because after being on uh, John Lee Dumas' show a couple of times, I, I got that stuck in my head. Uh, but I did, I did it for like uh, two months because uh, he has, uh, I forget what his is called. But anyway, I, I basically went with that approach. And then I realized shortly after I wasn't asking the questions any quicker. And I wasn't asking the guests to answer them any quicker. So don't feel any pressure to answer them quicker. They're just the three questions we try to ask everybody. Sure. So first one is our show is called Conversations with Passion. And that word passion has sort of lately been maybe overused. Uh, so I'll, I'll say you could use it as passion, purpose, your why, your calling, whatever tag you want to put on it, Scott. But I'm wondering if you think it's important for a person to discover their, again, insert name here, passion or purpose or what have you. And if it is, why do you think it is? Yeah, I think it's huge. Number one, because it's going to motivate you. It's going to drive you. Um, you know, I, myself personally, I mean, for the longest time, you know, as you're going through this, this entrepreneurial journey, you're always striving for the next thing. And you think once you get to that next thing, you're going to be like satisfied. And I can tell you right now, that's not true. You're always going to want to be growing. And I think you always should be. So depending on where you are in the journey, you still have to make it fun and you still have to make it where you want to get up every day and work on it. And especially people, probably people listening right now, they might have a nine to five and they want to do this side hustle and maybe turn that into a full-time hustle. Uh, you know, you have to still get yourself motivated to work an hour earlier or an hour later at night because you have to fit that time in somewhere. Um, so to me, I always like to gamify the business as far as like kind of looking at it as like, okay, how do we move the needle? And it's kind of fun. It's kind of like, you know, if you're in a football game or a baseball game, you're, you're constantly adjusting. You're, you're constantly thinking about the next move. And I think if you do that within business, it will make it fun. Now, with that all being said, I'm trying to make it as though when you get started, you might be saying to yourself, like, I don't see how this is like purpose. I don't see how this is like passion or any of that stuff. For me personally, it was about survival in the beginning. Like I wanted to get out of my, you know, 60 plus hour you know, a week job. And how can I do that? Well, we got to figure out a way. So my wife and I started a photography business and we were able to spend time with our kids and dictate our schedule. That was awesome. 
then again, we wanted to then have where we didn't have to call to the clients. You know, we didn't have to want to be, you know, like face to face with clients all the time. That's where the digital stuff came in. Now at this point in my life, and I think everyone is going to start to see different things along the way. Right now for me, it's not even financial gain. It's more of an impact on other people from me being on a show like yours to reach even just one person that says, holy crap, like that makes sense that I totally want to do this. You know, Scott got me going or, you know, gave me the, the idea uh, to get started. Like that to me is my passion, if you want to call it, or my mission, because I'm someone that you would have looked at back when I was 19 years old that said, the kid's not going to have a college degree. He probably won't be successful in life. And I can tell you right now, there's kids that I graduated with that went to college probably for six to eight years, and I'm probably doing better than they are. Not to brag, but just to say, I went out there, I worked hard, um, I take care of people, and now it's basically about just paying that forward and reaching as many people as I can with my, my message and my mission to really get people started. So how about uh, success, Scott? How do you define success? Success to me is getting to a place that you want to, to be that makes your life complete in a sense and not complete in, in kind of like, you know, like everything is perfect, but it's kind of like, where do you want to go? And have you, have you reached that, that point in, in your life or where you are now? that's going to be a moving target. There's always going to be different, you know, places to where success can be kind of labeled. And I think that you got to look at like, what's your short-term success, what's your long-term success. But I think success isn't like the end, right? It's success is like you, you got from one place to the other. Like you, you trained for a marathon, you completed the marathon. You might not have won the marathon, but you completed it. That, that's success, right? But you didn't win. So to me, success is what is, what is it that you're going after? What is it that you're striving for? And did you reach that point? Whether it's, you know, first place or, you know, fifth place, it doesn't really matter. So to me, it's just about making uh, improvements and moving, you know, forward, not just staying where you are today. So Scott, I'm going to ask you, uh, I, when I said there were three questions, I'm going to ask you, obviously, how we can connect and learn more. Uh, so that's the unofficial question. Uh, but the last official question is, if, uh, if you could sit across from a younger version of yourself, you know, you can pick the age or timeline, but let's say 18-year-old or 16-year-old Scott, um, there might be a certain reason you'd pick a certain date or timeline, but, and you could give him one piece of life advice based on what you've learned in the years since, what do you think you might tell him? Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Uh, wow. 16 to 18 years old, I had long hair and I was in a rock band, so I'm not really quite sure <laughs> that kid. Uh, let's see. I, I would say, honestly... Um, and, and we've heard this, it's, you know, kind of cliche, like pe people, you know, they kind of talk about it a lot, but it's, it's so true. Um, it's, it's like patience, like put in the work, don't worry about the reward tomorrow. Um, understand that it's going to take time, but also, you know, it's okay to, you know, kind of like fall down, um, and, and not give up because, you know, there's a lot of times that I kind of considered myself a failure, if you will. I wasn't qualified and I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't going to be able to, to achieve what I thought, what I felt back then was success by being, you know, in a suit and tie and I'm not a suit and tie guy, but I'm saying like, that's what I looked at as like successful people. Um, so I would tell myself that person back then, you know, uh, just stay true to yourself, believe in yourself, surround yourself with like-minded people and, uh, and just continually take action on what, it is that you want to achieve and you will eventually get there.
So, you know, Scott, I, I said I was going to ask you how we can learn more because, as I also said, uh, this is never enough time uh, to go down such a big rabbit hole. But at the same time, I hope that we gave people a, a taste for what you do, how you spend your time, and to realize that uh, private label and or physical products could be an option for them. Sure. And also, uh, you know, and, and maybe you can tell us this in telling us how we can connect and learn more, but also to let them know that you have a show that can teach them all about this because they might be listening and saying, wow, that sounds pretty complex. Um, so, yeah. you know, I guess my question out of that, Scott, is how can we connect and learn more? And maybe you can tell them about your show as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the simplest way is go to the blog, uh, theamazingseller.com, uh, or you can go to iTunes or Stitcher and uh, just uh, Google Play, whatever. Uh, you can go there and just search for The Amazing Seller and you'll find that. And just to be clear here, um, The Amazing Seller was not, uh, it was not necessarily me. <laughs> it's basically how we can create, um, you know, The Amazing Seller. And that is, uh, that is you. Um, so that's really what we talk about. Over 400 episodes currently right now. Uh, we do three a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, so that would be the best way to connect. If you're looking for a 90-minute kind of like run through of how to actually pick a product, source a product, do a pre-launch, the launch, all that stuff, um, I do a workshop. Actually, we just rolled out an on-demand workshop. So you can just sign up and uh, pick a time that works best for you. And that can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop now. And um, that'll take you there and we'll walk you through the five phases to actually get up and running for Amazon. Well, that's all, folks. That's another great show with a few great concepts and ideas that might be just what you need to get your ball rolling. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'd like to thank a few people for helping make this show possible. IB Trade Show. Go to ibtradeshow.com. Engaged Leadership. Go to in-engaged.ca. Permadry, guaranteed solutions for leaky basements. Go to permadry.com. Sites and Bytes, your site for great service. Sitesandbytes.ca. Oxford Learning, never stop learning. Go to oxfordlearning.com. SmileDog, your receptionist. Go to smiledog.ca. Thanks again for tuning in. On behalf of Corey Poirier, I am Marco Kelly, and this has been Conversations with Passion. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.